So we are continuing this series on new normal. Um, How many of you really believe that God is able to speak to you through the word of God? How many? Okay. How many of you really believe that God has the ability to change us? That's great. I'm so glad that you're raising your hands. And I hope that you're not just raising your hands because everybody else is. I, I want you to, to believe the fact that God has the ability to do something different in us. I, I, I want to share a passage with you as we get through this morning, a, a passage that, that has messed with me. Um, and I hope that it messes with you. It's a passage that has gotten into my head, it's gotten into my heart, it's gotten into my soul. And I believe that it's the word of God has changed me as a result. And so I pray that maybe you experience that this morning as well. And so as we start, I invite you to pray with me again. And I've told you last week about the hands. So I want you to do something different as we get ready to pray. I want you to open up your hands. You can do this at home because we talked about the fact that our open hands allows us to be receiving hands. And so would you pray with me? Almighty God, Lord, we just come in this moment. Pour your Holy Spirit on us. I realize that we sometimes come in this moment. We just kind of have an expectation that we'll hear a good sermon. We'll go home and we'll have lunch. But that is not what you desire in this moment. You desire to speak into our hearts and to move us. And so I pray with all the audacity that I have that somebody's life is different today because of your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, You're probably going to hear a lot over the next few weeks of little pieces of the prayer challenge. we are doing a class on Wednesday mornings and you're more than welcome to jump in. And you don't have to be a part of the prayer challenge to jump into this class, but it's a class just we're looking at the word of God and thinking about how we pray uh, so that we can maybe be more effective in our prayers. And so part of the class that we had this week was on looking at some of the characteristics of God, look at the traits of God and how we can claim those traits and those characteristics as we pray. And so we asked the group, I said, okay, so tell me some of the characteristics. When you think about God, what are those characteristics that you think of? And you may have a word that comes in your mind, but, but one of the words that came up was creator and that God is creator. And we talked about it Wednesday night as we prayed, they said the same thing. Somebody brought up the word creator. And so we said, okay, so we can take the fact that God is creator, that God is creating, God is creative, and we can say, okay, God, we know that you're still doing something new. That's how we can pray that God is still doing something new in this moment in the church. God hasn't forgotten the church. This is God's church. And so God is doing something new. And so we can claim that with boldness. But we also know that God is creator. And so we can learn about creating. I mean, we can learn about ourselves. We can learn about the world. We can learn about God by what we see in creation. And because we see certain things, we can come to understand and know God. God shows us through physical things, things that help us understand spiritual things. And as I reflected on that conversation, I thought about the fact that Claire and I, we we have grown to love watching our bird feeder. I'm not sure when we became our parents, but we did. Uh, And so, 
Uh, we do. We love to watch it. And so we'll watch birds. And, and there's all kinds of birds uh, that will come to our bird feeder. And we even have birds that will sit over on the fence. We'll have birds that sit on our neighborhood's house, neighbor's house. And we can watch them kind of waiting their turn. Birds everywhere that will come into that. And I think about what it, what, what it says to us. That, I mean, like, all are welcomed at this table. I mean, even squirrels sit at the bottom of that bird feeder uh, trying to find their way. And so, but it's just, how does it all work together? And then I think about how we are. Something physical can move something to spiritual when I look and think about the division that we see in our country. And wasn't that what Martin Luther King said was he had a dream that people would not be defined by the color of their skin, but by the character of their heart? I mean, wasn't, but yet we all know we're not there yet. We can, we can try to pretend that we are, but we're not. We still struggle, and let's just be honest, we still struggle with uh, divisions with race. We still struggle with divisions on gender. And, and, and we, again, can pretend that we don't, but there's certain things that we have put people in boxes and say that's acceptable or not. We struggle with gender. We in the church, let's just be honest, we struggle with sexual orientation. We have differences. We have divisions. We can at least name them, right? We can at least say and be honest that we don't have this figured out. And I started thinking about where, where did the categories come from? I mean, who created them? Who named them in the first place? Why is it that we as human beings feel like that we have to place people in certain boxes and certain characteristics that we place around each other? And so it haunts me. And I hope that it haunts you because we are all part of it. We are part of the barriers. We are part of the boxes that we put around people. And yet we serve a God who has created us all. We serve a God who has embraced us all. Let's at least acknowledge it. Because here's what I want you to hear. The life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ has broke down the barriers. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ has torn down the walls that divide us and separate us. Are we going to be different? And so, this morning, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open up to Acts chapter 10. And we are going to stay in Acts chapter 10 all day long. You won't have to go anywhere else, so just keep your Bibles open. Again, God using something physical to show us something spiritual. So in Acts chapter 10, we're going to meet a gentleman by the name of Cornelius. Now, as you're turning in your Bibles, that's okay to listen. Cornelius is a Roman officer. He's loyal to Rome. But he's also one who supports the, the Jewish people. He gives to the poor. He is very supportive of the Jewish people in um, Caesarea. In fact, when we're going to meet him, and this is a story that we have looked at before very casually, but when we meet him, he's praying. 
And so I want you to hear this starting in verse 3. One day, at nearly 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he clearly saw an angel from God in a vision. The angel came to him and said, Cornelius, startled, he stared at the angel and replied, What is it, Lord? The angel said, Your prayers and your compassionate acts are like a memorial offering to God. Send messengers to Joppa at once and summon a certain Simon, the one known as Peter. He is the guest of Simon the Tanner, whose house is near the seacoast. Now this is fascinating because here we see a God-seeking, gift-giving, God-praying Roman who is given a vision by God. I mean, God is getting ready to make a move and to do something brand new. God is fixing to do something with that creative side of who God is. And he's going to use a Roman and a Roman's family to do this. And so he tells, he tells Cornelius to go and invite Peter. They live probably about 30 miles apart. They don't know each other. And what we see is, is that Peter is also praying at the same time. That's why it's important that we're all praying together because God is able to do something big as he begins to speak to multiple people. And so we meet Peter who is also praying. Look at what it says in verse 10. He became hungry and wanted to eat. While others were preparing the meal, he had a visionary experience. He saw heaven opened up and something like a large linen sheet being lowered to the earth by its four corners. Inside the sheet were all kinds of four-legged animals, reptiles, and wild birds. A voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Peter exclaimed, absolutely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke a second time, never consider unclean what God has made pure. This happened three times. Then the object was suddenly pulled back into heaven. So Peter is having this crisis of faith. Everything kind of about his belief system is broken. Now, don't get me wrong. I think Peter is open to the movement of God. I believe that Peter is open to God doing something new in him. I believe Peter is open to God breaking down a barrier. But what God is asking Peter to do is taking it to the very next level. I mean, Peter has to think that this is insane because this goes against everything that he understands and believes i mean the reality is and we've got it we got to catch this because this is going to help us understand really the importance of the scripture we got to understand the entirety of this the jewish people had very specific rules and regulations about what they could eat and how they could go about eating it and so there were certain foods that were seemed unacceptable. They were unclean, and they were unclean for you to be able to eat. That was pork, other things. There were certain foods that were acceptable for you to eat, and those were considered clean. And so you had lamb that was in the acceptable category and pork that was in the unacceptable. Now here's the thing. It was sinful for you to eat something that was unclean. And it's even more sinful if you eat something unclean with an unclean person. Then we have to stop and pause. In Jesus' day, there, there were certain people that it would have been considered unclean for you to associate with and certainly to have a meal with. And essentially, it's everybody who is not Jewish. 
I want you to think about that for just a minute. So everybody who was not Jewish was outsiders. And my guess is that most of us in this room and most of us online did not grow up Jewish. So we would be the unclean. We would be the outsiders. Peter is being asked to do something that he has been taught his entire life is wrong. Basically, it would expel him from his family. It would expel him from his church. It would expel him from his community for him to do what he believes God is calling him to do. When you're taught something your whole entire life and then somebody tells you it's okay, that's hard, right? I mean, can we, can we acknowledge that, that that's difficult for us? I grew up, I've told you all bits and pieces a little bit about the church that I grew up going to. Um, and, and we grew up, women were not able to wear pants. So uh, you had to either wear skirts, dresses. Uh, my sister played on a softball team. Uh, and so she had to wear culottes, I believe. I'm not sure how you spell that. Uh, how many of you know what culottes are? Okay, so that, that probably ages most of us as to, to do that. Most young people are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, you can go Google that up if you want to. But, they, but they, that's what they had to wear to play softball. And I can remember my sister, the first time that she was invited to go to church to some, with someone, and they told her that it was okay for her to wear pants to church. It was not a good day in my household. Uh, because my parents struggled. I mean, it's taken really years for my mother to ever wear pants to church. Because she had been taught her whole entire life, that's not what you wear. It was reinforced in the church that we grew up in. And that's a simplistic way to be able to see it, but we can kind of get a feel a little bit for what Peter's going through. How many of you... How many of you grew up being told that it was against God's will for you to drink? Okay, so there's a few hands. All right, so it, but it creates a moment of crisis, does it not? If you've grown up with this idea that it's sinful for you to drink, and then you go to somebody in your Sunday school class's house, and they have a bottle of wine. Somebody you respect, somebody you trust, and you're like, wait a minute. This doesn't make sense. Let's talk about another one that gets a little bit harder. Some of us grew up in a culture that struggled with the idea of interracial marriage. That somehow that is against God's will. And then you come into a church where you see people who are in an interracial marriage that are leaders in your church. And you get a conflict. Things that you're taught that are wrong, and then all of a sudden you realize God's doing something new. This is where we find Peter. I don't understand Peter is in his head. I don't understand what God is doing. 
And I do not want any of you today, online or in person, to ignore your crisis of faith, whatever it may be. You're looking at the world and you're saying, and maybe things don't make sense the way that they have. And you're beginning to ask questions and all of a sudden your questions are bigger than your answers. That's an okay place to be because you know what the church has notoriously done is not given us space to ask the questions. And I love the fact that we can be in a church where we can ask questions, struggle with issues of race, and struggle with issues of inclusion and diversity. What I see in this passage is God gives Peter that space. God gives it to Peter, space to be uncomfortable, space to be able to ask the question over and over and over again. And so I want you to think about what it is that you believe and and how you live that out and look and see, are you living it out in a way that it honors God and that it gives God the glory for that, that doesn't bind people up, but gives people freedom, that loves other people. Friends, that's where we find Peter. Three different times, Peter has to ask God, I don't understand this. Three different times, Peter needs to hear God say, do not call something unclean that I declare clean. Do not call something unclean that I declare clean. Do not call something unclean that I declare clean. Over and over and over again. And I just wonder, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, those questions that spark the fire in you. This is my question for you today. What categories have you placed people in? What categories have you boxed people into? And yes, I'm going to ask you to think about race and gender, socioeconomic status, sexual orientation. What box have you put people in? Because I'm going to be honest with you, as your pastor, I've placed people in categories in my life. I'm not proud of that. But that's me and God wrestling with what I was taught versus what I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to me. It's me being frank with God. To be able to say, maybe, you know what, maybe, maybe I don't understand. Help me, God. Draw me near so that I can trust you more. If I could offer you anything, if you only hear one thing today, here's what it is. Do not pretend to think that you know everything about the Holy Spirit. Not me, not you, none of us have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit. And so we need to listen for the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And just like Peter, we are invited on this journey. Just like Peter, we are invited to wrestle. Just like Peter, we are invited to be able to question and think and allow the Holy Spirit to move in us. And folks, this requires us as a church to shift. But what we see when we do it is we see a move. That's what we're watching in this. We're seeing a move in the, in, in the Jesus followers of this day. And here's what I want y'all to watch. Keep opening your Bibles. Look at verse 17. 
Peter was bewildered about the meaning of the vision. Just then, the messengers sent by Cornelius discovered the whereabouts of Simon's house and arrived at the gate. Calling out, they inquired whether Simon, known as Peter, was a guest there. So here's Peter. He's had this grandiose vision by God. He's trying to figure out exactly what on earth happens or what on earth has happened. And all of a sudden, three messengers of Cornelius show up literally at his door. Literally at his door. And so the next day, he makes his way over. He begins to go see Cornelius, and, he, and Cornelius tells him about everything that he has experienced, that he was praying, that he was given a vision, and what God commanded him to do to reach out to Peter. And here's what I want you to stop and realize, because we, this is the part that we gloss over. Prior to this moment, Peter would never have dared step in Cornelius' house. Prior to this moment, Peter had Cornelius in a box and he would never have dared to go into his house. And what we see is Peter. He not only goes into his house, he goes into his life. He shares the entirety of the Jesus story. And look at what happens in verse 34. Peter says, I really am learning that God doesn't show partiality to one group of people over another. Rather, in every nation, whoever worships him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Listen to that again. I'm going to go back and read verse 34. Peter said, I really am learning that God doesn't show partiality to one group of people over another. Rather, in every nation, whoever worships him and does what is right is acceptable to him. No boundaries. No barriers. Just people who follow and fear the Lord. And what I mean by fear the Lord, I mean is people who honor God. They do what Jesus says is right. They love other people. They give the glory and honor to God. And they do something about it. They work to bring more kingdom on earth. And here's the full story is what you see is Peter standing there. And as he shares the entirety of Jesus' story, the Holy Spirit comes onto Cornelius just like the Holy Spirit had poured onto Peter and the rest of the disciples in the upper room. And this blows Peter's mind because he can't explain what it is happening. He doesn't have a category. But what we see is God busting down the barriers that were in Peter's mind. Look at what happens in verse 47. These people, Peter said, these people have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Surely no one can stop them from being baptized with water, can they? He directed that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they invited Peter to stay for several, for several days. Cornelius and his entire household were baptized. That means Cornelius, Cornelius' uh, spouse or Cornelius' children. It means his servants. It means his neighbors. It means the, the, anybody around. They were all baptized. The Holy Spirit moved in them. And Peter stays. And Peter receives the hospitality of Cornelius. Again, something that would never have happened prior to this experience. It's a shift in the way that people relate to each other. And suddenly, it's not the Jewish people. Suddenly, it's not just the people who historically have been understood, the people of God. It's the outsiders that are at the table. Remind me again. How many of you did not grow up Jewish?
you hear that? It's the outsiders that are welcomed at the table. Folks, this is not a static movement. It's not something we can just simply discuss and pray about or talk about. It's not just something that we can do a Bible study on. It's something that we have to challenge ourselves to say, what are we doing that is boxing people into categories? And we've got to stop it. It's something that we've got to look and think, what have we got to do as a church to adjust so that people, everybody, feels welcome at the table? What do we have to do to shift? I refuse to let Stockbridge first be known for something that we're against. I refuse for us to be known for something we're against. I want us to be known for something we're for. And we are for the people, right? We're for anybody and everybody to come and experience the presence of God in their life. We are for diversity because we recognize the beauty of all parts of the kingdom of God coming together and giving God worship. We are for the next generation. We are for loving our neighbor, right? We are for trying to be the change that we wanna see in the world. We're for working to bring more of God's kingdom here on earth. That's what we're for at Stockbridge First, right? And we've gotta go and share that with the world. And we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing that is keeping somebody in a box? One author wrote this about the kingdom of God and said, it's like a bunch of outcasts and oddballs gathered at a table, not because they're good and not because they're worthy, but because they're hungry, because they said yes, because there's always room for more. We are surrounded by hungry people. Surrounded by hungry people. If you pull out of the parking lot today and you go to the left, you go to the right, there's neighborhoods everywhere. And do you know who lives in those neighborhoods? Not only do you live in those neighborhoods, but other people who are hungry for Jesus Christ. They may not know that they are hungry for Jesus Christ, but they are hungry. They are hurting. And I just want to ask you, are you going to keep them in a box? Or are you going to adjust so that more people are welcome? One of the days you're going to read, if you're participating in the prayer challenge, you're going to read, it's going to ask you the question, are you willing, holding nothing back, are you willing to let go of your preferences? Are you willing to let go of your agenda so that more people are welcome at the table? Let's pray. Almighty God, we come in this moment, and I can only speak for myself, God, but I do know that I, in my life, I have put boundaries. Maybe it's something I was taught. Maybe it's something I accepted. Forgive me for those boxes and boundaries. Help me to adjust 
and accept you doing something new in order to make room for people at your table. It's not my table. It's not this church's table. It's your table. Help me to never, never declare something unclean that you have declared clean.